tied who the soloist was and who the plus one was. Okay, boys and girls, mic's going on. Boys and girls, you can slip out to Children's Church. Follow Miss Kathleen out. Have a wonderful time learning God's Word. We'll do the same right here. The rest of us, please turn to Colossians chapter 3. I need to say to my Sunday school class again, I was just ending the class with the announcement that we were going to have a special visitor from Japan next week, and my sister, who pulls this all the time, walks in this week. Told me last night she's coming next week, and she walks in today. Yeah, well, I, I forgot. This has gone on our whole life, and I'm 20 hundred years old. Remember. But it's good to have these folks with us. Good to have you here today. You're in uh, Colossians chapter 3. Quickly, let's move toward verse 15, our text verse. Again, in verse 1 of this chapter, Paul is reminding us that we are risen with Christ if we've trusted his Son as Savior. The only way to heaven is by believing in the Son of God who came to earth to die for us. Then we can have that resurrection. He says that once we've trusted Christ, verse 4, he is our life. Christ, our life, he will appear, and we will appear with him in glory. With that in mind, he says that we need to consider ourselves dead. That's that word mortify in verse 5. Consider ourselves dead to these uh, evils of the flesh, of a fleshly mind, of the flesh and of the fleshly mind. The mind who takes us that way in the first place, and as far as God is concerned, we have committed the offense against God by thinking it. And it, it calls for seeking his pardon, not losing our salvation, but seeking his pardon to write again that oneness with him. He then goes on to tell us to put off a number of things. You find this verses 8 and 9, to put off anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy, filthy communication out of our mouths and lying. Those are very hurtful. To the Christian home, they're hurtful to the church and they're hurtful to the cause of Christ, the testimony of the Christian home and the church in the community. We've got to be very careful to put those, put those off, get rid of them, not be wearing them around. And he tells us, gives us some apologetic to that, a reasoning for that, and that is in the next verse, that we are renewed by him. And the way we are renewed is by the wonderful word of God. This is not fairy tale. This is not falsehood. It's not written by man. It was written by God using man's instrumentality. It's the word of God. And therefore we grow in him. And that this new man that we can be is available to anybody. No matter what the nationality, no matter what the status. This is verse 11. No matter what the status is, social status no matter what direction of religiosity, a person can abandon religiosity and come to Christ. Verses 12 and following, he said, now there are some other things we need to put on. Now, folks, the verses that we're going to go to, verses 15 and 16 over the next couple, maybe three Sundays, the verses that we're going to combine themselves with this concept of putting something on. With God, he wouldn't want us to put on something that's harmful. 
He wouldn't want us to put on something that's toxic or poisonous. He wouldn't want us to put on something that's going to hurt your testimony before Christ, your oneness with Christ, your Christian home or this church. So if he's saying put it on, it's for your good. And he doesn't, it's non-negotiable. He doesn't give us an opportunity to debate it. This is a direct command in Scripture to us. He says, put on because of your oneness with Christ, because of what he's done, because of the new creature he makes you if you've trusted him. Put on, therefore, and he calls us the elect of God. Put on, therefore, he calls us the holy. Put on, therefore, he calls us the beloved. He says, put on mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, that's power under his control, long-suffering. We're going to need that. We're moving. We're humans moving among humans. Look here. Motion doesn't happen without friction. And when it's happening, one's going one way and one's going the other. You need to know that in the home. You need to know that in the church. You need to know that in Sunday school. You need to know that in Awana. Friction does happen, and we're not in heaven yet. One of the things that Jed and I talked about was some situations, human situations, that he's already faced in this new spot. Well, I talked to him about the fact that that's your new Jerusalem. That is your Jerusalem now. That is your place to carry on the Great Commission. And so it will be very needful for him to stop and think, I'm going to have to have forbearance. And also I'm going to have to have forgiveness. And I'm going to have to have a heart like Christ toward the people around me because they will be looking at his testimony just like this community looks at ours. Verse 13, forbearing one another, forgiving one another if anyone have a quarrel. Huh, huh, that's in the Bible. Yes, it is in the Bible. It precludes the fact that there will be quarrels. No. Yes. Siblings. Did you hear one between these two siblings a moment ago? Got your tax and chance to look at your tax. There will be. So you've got to understand go back to long suffering, go back to forbearance, go back to forgiveness. Utilize that. And he goes on to give us another apologetic, another um, argument for this, another reason. And that is to look to Christ because he forgave us so much. By the way, he forgave us so much and we could never have said, I'm sorry enough. Think about that. We could never have said, I'm sorry enough. It was going to take banishment to eternal damnation in hell to pay for our offense against him. Talk about a forgiving God. Talk about a forgiving Christ to bring us to him. So then he's saying, so you people do the same. Put on that long-suffering, that forbearance, and forgiveness. And then without missing a beat, go on to, oh, by the way, he says, he says, verse 14, it's the bond, oh, above all, put on charity. That's agape. That's a love that says, I want the best for those around me. Not just what I want for myself. I want the best, and the best will always go Godward. It will not take them away from God. It will not lavish them with materialism. That's not what it's about. I want the best for the sake of God, for the sake of the Christian home, for the sake of the local New Testament church. That is true love. That's the way God loved. Okay? He says, you put put on charity. And that, by the way, charity, look, 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 church, that charity is the bond of perfectness. 
that's in the Word. That kind of charity will bond us, will make this right. And make it right with you, with other believers around the globe. You will just know that that bond of love is there, that bond bonds you to another Christian that you might meet in a different place. Again, without missing a beat, he gets to verse 15 and starts the verse with the word and, and conjoins verse 15 with what's been said. Let's read it together. It says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you're called in one body. And be ye thankful. That verse is our message today. I want us to go back to the beginning of it. Notice again the word and. And. It is calling for us to understand that it goes with this concept of putting on. Putting on. It is very necessary for this whole groundwork to be laid before he moves on to the matter of the Christian home, wives submit, husbands love, children obey, etc. For us to stop and say, this is very, very important. He wants us to let the peace of, the peace of, say it now, the peace of whom? The peace of, I didn't hear you, the peace of, it's not the peace of this world. I'm sorry, they have none. They can't find it. They do and do and do. They buy and buy and buy. They get and get and get. And they're as sorry and as sad as they've ever been. And then they want to splash the airwaves with the trickle down of that person that fell into an abyss and wound up killing himself because he couldn't find the peace of God. You know what I'm talking about. They run away from God, run away from God, run away. They run to the world, run to the world, run to the world. They have no peace. The wicked are, the Bible tells us, the wicked are as a troubled sea when it is tossed, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God to the wicked. Doesn't matter how much they have. Doesn't matter how celebrity they are. Doesn't matter how special they are to people. Doesn't remember, matter how many little quips that you can say that they said one time in some funny scenario. They're gone now because they had no peace. But the peace of God is available to us. Now, I want you to stop for a moment look at the verse. I want you to note something. It says, it's a command. It's the command. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. I've got something to say to you. Let and rule are the same word in the Greek. So much that we could say. Boy, we could really break that down. I want to. They're both the same word in the Greek. It certainly speaks to the fact that God gives us an opportunity to react on our own. That he does not corner us into some unrelenting, between a rock and a hard place position. He allows us an opportunity to do what he says. He allows us free will. The word let, same word as rule. It is saying, we're told, you, both words, same, it means to govern. You govern yourself in such a way as to take on the peace of God. Let the peace of God then govern you. 
That's the way you're supposed to read this. Govern yourself to take on the peace of God so that the peace of God governs you. Isn't that beautiful? And he's saying you have a role in this. You have an opportunity to react to this. This peace is so vital to our union with our Savior. That peace will lead, we're going to find out, will lead to proper thankfulness. That's the end of the verse. It is so important and vital to our union with our Savior, but that peace is also vital to our union with one another in the Christian home. It's amazing what a bond for the home is the believer in the home that is walking most closely with the Lord and is just at peace. It's going to be okay. God's taking care of us. And that same type of person will help the church because they will exude the fact that the peace of God rules within them. You see, it is true of us in our minds that we allow ourselves to get so caught up in mayhem of this world and chaos that our mind begins to play tricks on us and take us away from the peace that we could have ruling and instead mayhem is ruling. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you were there last week. And you can say, Pastor, you probably were too. <laughs> okay. If we will allow the peace of God to rule, it absolutely superimposes mayhem. And calmness comes over our being, and then we take that calmness into the home and into the church. With that said, let's consider this matter of peace, and then let's consider the matter of thankfulness. You, you got an outline. I hope you got an outline. By the way, here is the copy of the outline, and did you notice the verse on the front of the, of the bulletin day, today? Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he t- 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 trusteth in thee. All right? Let's look at this matter of peace in Christ. The peace that is of Christ. The peace of God that we can have. First of all, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2. Verses 13 and 14. But now, in Christ Jesus... Ye who sometimes were afar off, notice that language again, there was a day when you were lost, when you did those awful things, fornication, uncleanness, unordinate affections, and so on. You were afar off, but you are now made nigh by the blood of Christ. It is the blood of Christ that covers sin. It atones, that word atone means to cover, covers our sin so we can be in God's presence. Verse 14. And he is our Peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us and the loving God of heaven. The point for your notes is this. This true peace originates with him. True peace originates with him. So we're going to have to go to him for that peace. 
We're going to have to stop and say, if it originates with him, how do I how do I go from mayhem and chaos in my heart and life? How do I go from tossing and turning all night and waking up several times in the night trying to sort things out? How do I get to where I have that peace? It's going to come by putting the word in our heart, meditating on that word, asking the Holy Spirit to calm our jitters and get us at a state of peace because he loves us so much and he told us that we are to let that peace rule. Go to uh, 2 Thessalonians on that same point. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 16. Second Thessalonians 3.16 Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all the means that he has to give it to you. By the way, he's infinite. He's omnipotent. He's got lots of peace and lots of ways to bring it your direction. The Lord be with you all, he says. The Lord within us. First of all, we've got to have accepted that Lord Jesus Christ for us to have access to that peace. Believing by faith alone that Jesus died, he shed his blood to wash away sin, that he is the God of heaven, that he came, he was buried, he took our sin away from his heavenly Father, he rose again to give us eternal life. That easy, little children can understand. And as a result, boys and girls, you can have the peace of God within you. You don't have to worry about the dark. It takes care of you. There are no monsters under the bed. Peace. Peace. Second point, B. Go please to John 14. John 14. John 14, verse 27. Jesus speaking, before he goes to heaven, you know John 14 is just before. I mean, he's telling the disciples, I'm going away, I'm going to die on a cross, I'm going away, and I will be sending my Holy Spirit. But along with everything else he says, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, because theirs is a fleeting peace. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then look at the next verse, verse 28. Look how many times you see the personal pronoun I. I, 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 and I. Hmm. Who is the one from whom this peace exudes? Your point in your notes is this. Jesus left peace for the church to access. The word is access. We can access it. We can go to him regularly. We can bow in prayer before him. We can ask the Father in the name of Christ to bring that peace over me in the worst time. I don't know what the Wileys are feeling right now. I don't think I've ever had a child so sick. Did you know that they said, pediatric ICU said, this is the sickest child we have in the children's hospital? Sarah, our little Sarah. And the doctors keep flowing in and flowing out, and they're going, no clue. Where will they go for peace? Well, I'm sorry. I went to see them twice this week and I didn't have any peace in my pocket that I could handle them. There's peace right here. And it's amazing how peaceful they are. 
And they're just spending time in God's Word. And you are going to see them. A number of you have. And you are reiterating the importance of their time with the Lord that we are praying for them. We're praying for that same thing. Very important that we understand the church can access that peace. Jesus told us we could. The next one, go to James chapter 3. Did I give you that scripture? Yes, James 3 and verse 17. Now, the verse that I gave you was verse 17. I want to read a couple of others to you. Go back to verse 13. Who is a wise man, endued, or granted, blessed with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good lifestyle, the proper kind of living, his works with meekness and wisdom. Now, take that into account as we go to verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. It is not tainted, it is not toxic, it is not full of poisons of man. It is absolutely pure. The education you get from lost men, you're going to have to scrape the poisons away to get to the truth. And the truth originated with God. His wisdom is first pure, but then it goes on to say, then peaceable. It is peaceable. Now look at verse 18. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Wisdom, going to God's word, seeking it. Your point in your notes is this. It is an outgrowth of heavenly wisdom. The more of this word we take in, the more peaceful we can be. Do you feel a little chaotic? you feel a little disheveled? Take a good look at this world. This world couldn't be in a bigger mess. And we as Christians might stand back and go, who will ever fix this? Uh, How about when Jesus reigns for a thousand years? Until then, it's only going to get worse. But you and I have perfect peace because we have access to Christ and we can go to his wisdom, get the word in our hearts, and then recite the word, recite the word, recite the word. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Not just so I will not sin against God, but that really is part of it. If I am going to worry, 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 that is a sin. Did you know that? Somebody once said, Worry is a mild form of atheism. Take that. How many times have I had to say that to this person? Worry is a mild form of atheism. When in fact, Jesus left his peace behind, we have access to it, and if we will grab the wisdom of God's word and put it in here, then we don't have to fret. I don't care if school is coming next week. I had to throw that in. Let's move on. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, this is point D. Hebrews 12 and verse 14. Holy Spirit and the Word gives us that wisdom that we need. Your next point, Hebrews 12 and 14. I want to give you the blank in your notes first. This peace that we get from God will aid our evangelism. It will aid, it will give help, it will support, it will undergird, it will propagate, it will aid our evangelism. Do you care? Have you tried to give somebody the gospel recently? Well, if you haven't, get on the stick. That's your job here. Oh, no, i got other things to do. No, you don't. 
Jesus gave you a job to go evangelize the world, and everything else is subsidiary. It's to keep you alive so you can evangelize the world, and then to build them up in the most holy faith. He gave you a great commission. The idea is for you to go out of here and give the gospel to other people. The good news. The good news is what the gospel is. And it will help you if you have that peace. It says so in the scriptures. Hebrews 12 and verse 14. Follow peace, it says. Now he also interjects that we ought to follow holiness. Holiness will help our evangelism too, we could say. But because we are speaking of peace in this message, go to that point alone. Follow peace. Skip down. With which no man shall see the Lord. And you, by the Holy Spirit, can understand what he's telling you. It is that person who is so calm in the midst of this torrent of horrible of this world. The person who can say, the world's not my home, I'm just passing through. This person that can say, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. The person who can say, Jesus said to me one day, I go to prepare you a place, and if I go, I will come again. If it were not so, I would have told you. When you're saying that, they're looking at you like, oh, I want what you have. Because they're living in the tornado of the, of the world. And it will not quit. It will not let up. It's relentless. Over and over and over and over and over. It beats them down and beats them down and beats them down. And there you stand in the midst of all of it in perfect peace. Because, Isaiah 26, your mind is stayed on him. And they'll want what you have. Follow peace with which no man will see the Lord. It will aid your evangelism. Now I want you to go back for a moment to Colossians, our text verse. Colossians 3. And this will be the second point in your notes. The second of two. Colossians 3 and verse 15 says this. And, after I've told you to put on all these things, and let the peace of God, you govern yourself to let the peace of God govern your hearts. And at the end of the verse, it says, and be ye thankful. Now, somebody might say, Pastor, you left out a very important phrase there. You, you left something out. It's in between. Let the peace of God and be thankful. Don't worry, we'll be back. Let's go to be thankful. He tells us right here, thankfulness. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever taken a moment, a day, where all you did all day long was thank the Lord, thank the Lord, thank the Lord. Ask for nothing, ask for nothing, ask for nothing. He knoweth everything that you have before you can ask it. He still wants you to ask. He's your Heavenly Father. He wants you to ask. He loves you. He wants to communicate with you. But you take a time where you went, Lord, today, I'm just going to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Do you know that Paul was all about that? Here in this letter to a church 2,000 years ago, he says, be thankful. Be thankful. By the way, thankfulness in the heart can be seen by God. But thankfulness in the heart cannot be seen by other people. So how will they know you and I are thankful? Thankful to God and thankful to one another? 
by saying it out of your little lippies. Boys and girls, say thank you to mom and dad as many times as you possibly can. Say thankful to your, to your Sunday school teacher. Say thankful to your school teacher. Say thank you. Somebody gives you a ride. Say thank you. Thank you is lost English in America. Be thankful. They can't know it by your heart. You've got to get it out of your mouth. And when the pastor gives you or Sunday school teacher gives you an opportunity to speak to your thankfulness about something, open your mouth and say it, will you please? Get used to saying, oh, I'm really thankful for my wife. By the way, I am. She's a pretty good girl. Hang around her a bit. I'm thankful for my salvation. I'm going to, I'm thankful for my mansion over the hilltop. And you could go on and on and on and on. Learn to say it out of your mouth. Paul was all about thanks. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, say it in your heart as I say it aloud, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God. Really? You mean I'm doing what God... Roy asked me one day, how do you know the will of God? It is huge, Roy. Let me tell you, part of it is say thank you. Pretty simple, isn't it? It's the will of God for you to tell your sister thank you when she makes your bed. Or not. Thank you for not making my bed because I like to just jump in it all messy. Well, fact of the matter is, Roy, there's the will of God. There's the will for God. God, it's his will that we say thank you. Say, say thank you his direction. Let's say it again. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Oh, this Bible is so complex. No, it's not. Say thank you. Say thank you to him and thank you to one another. It'll be very important to the church. Do you know that Paul writes 37 times in Scripture? Thank you. Thank you. I'm so thankful for it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Your Scripture, that is your outline, gives you a few of them. I'm going to touch on just three. You get to fill in the other blanks before the day is over. It's your homework. I'm going to give you a few. Let's first of all look at Romans 16. This church needs to be thankful because it's the will of God. This church needs to be thankful because thankfulness will make us a better church and make you a better Christian and give you a better home. What did Paul say thank you about? Oh, we're looking at the first one, A, Romans 16, 3 and 4. He says about a couple of other Christians. Their names were Priscilla and Aquila. You know the story. Go back to the book of Acts. They were such close. Look at me. They were such close family in God. They were close in Christ. Verse 3. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks unto whom... Not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. The point that you might put down, you can put it the way you want. I've got written, say thank you for Christian friends. Say thank you for Christian friends that come alongside that help you. That Christian friend, boys and girls, that Christian friend, the closest friend to you other than the Lord Jesus might be an adult. Adults, closest friend to you other than the Lord Jesus might be a child. Certainly, within this church, friendship pervades. Thank the Lord. 
I have heard in this church this morning three times people thanking the Lord for this church. They weren't talking about the building. They're talking about you. This church is thankful for one another. Be thankful for Christian friends. Let's get down to the third one, C, and go to 2 Corinthians. I am so tempted to give you the other ones, but you're going to do that on your own. 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest or bringeth to light the savor, the aroma, the sweetness, the the goodness of the knowledge by us in every place. Different ways that you could fill in that blank. I'm going to give you this. We need to thank the Lord for the triumph of the gospel and the spread of the word. Thank God for the triumph of the gospel and the spread of the word. Do you know how many times in the history of man wicked, wicked men tried to crush out this book? I can say to Hitler, still here, buddy. He tried to burn everyone up. Still here, buddy. Where are you? They're trying to crush crush a bunch of Christian Kurds in northern Iraq. Sorry, Mr. Islamic. You are not going to crush out the word. It will win. It has already won. You cannot banish this. Scripture tells us, all men are as grass, and the flower of uh, the glory of man is the flower of grass. And the grass withereth, and the flower thereof fadeth away. But the word of God endureth forever. It will not go away. And the result of that is that men of ancient times and more recent times have tried to crush it out. You know what? It still made it to Akron, and you came to the gospel. Triumph of the gospel. And then the triumph of what the word does in your heart and my heart by the continuing intake of that. So continue that. Thank the Lord for the triumph of the gospel and the spread of the word, that the word will constantly grow me toward godliness. Thank him for his Bible. One of the things that you're going to thank him, when you pick a day each week where all you do is say thank you, say thank you for the word, thank you for the word, thank you for the word, I love the word, thank you, thank you, thank you. Love the prayer. Don't let me ever find your Bible on the floor. Frank, don't ever let that happen again. Bible goes on top. Highest point. Amen? Got it? Okay. I didn't know that that was Frank, but his mom looked at him, so I picked on him. Thanks, Mom. All right, and then go to 2 Thessalonians 1. 2 Thessalonians 1. You're skipping D. You're going to find that yourself. In fact, we preached a whole message on Colossians 1, 3 and 4. So now to 2 Thessalonians 1. Getting very close to finished. 2 Thessalonians 1. Paul is writing to a bunch of Christians when he says, we, talking about himself and Silvanus and Timothy in the previous verse, we three Christians are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet. That's old English for it's appropriate because it's, it's only right for us to do this because that your faith groweth exceedingly and the charity of every one of you toward each other is constantly 
abounding. It's flourishing. It's a wonderful thing. The point that I've got for you is, thank the Lord for the growth of Christians. Stand back and watch our church growing in the Lord. Thank the Lord for the growth of an individual Christian. Thank the Lord for the growth of the homes of this church. Thank the Lord for the growth of this church toward godliness. Get in the habit of thanking God for growth of Christians. Because, by the way, you had nothing to do with it. I had nothing to do with it. We can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Only the work of the Holy Spirit by the Word, only the work of the Word by the Holy Spirit grows us up unto the perfect person. Perfect means mature. To a thoroughly furnished Christ-like person. Last one we'll look at. Go over to 1 Timothy 1. We will look at F. 1 Timothy 1. And verse 12. Paul speaking here. And I, by the way, this is one of his last epistles. One of the last time he writes. And look what he says. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. The ministry of what? The ministry of the wonderful word of God to the hearts of others. Downstairs right now, the Lord has put somebody to the ministry of this book. It doesn't matter who that person's name is. The ministry of this book to a bunch of little children. A little over an hour ago, the Lord put a group of people throughout these buildings to the ministry of the Word, to children all the way up through adults. Thank the Lord. The point is, thank the Lord for the opportunity to serve in His ministry. Somebody went to visit a person that was very sick. Somebody spent a lot of time in prayer this week. Thank the Lord for the opportunity to serve. Somebody took flowers. Somebody sent flowers. Somebody, somebody just made a phone call. Somebody sent a text. Thank the Lord for the opportunity to serve. Somebody went and picked somebody up and brought them to church. Somebody went over and helped them clean. Somebody mowed their grass. Thank the Lord for the opportunity to serve. And a bunch, a bunch of, sorry, a bunch of somebodies should be thanking the Lord. They're just around the corner. The, the ministry of the word. 60, 70, 80, 90 children from this community is our great privilege. And we have no business going, put that off and understand it is a thing to be thankful for. What a wonderful opportunity until Jesus comes because all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of a sudden we're standing before him with gold, silver, precious stone, or wood, hay, and stubble. It's up to you. Thank the Lord for the opportunity to serve. We have one minute. Go back to Colossians. Remember, there was a phrase that we didn't deal with yet. We're going to deal with it quickly and pray and sing and go out. Colossians 3, verse 15. By command, let... That is, you rule yourself to allow the peace of God to rule in your heart. Govern yourself to allow the peace of God to rule in your heart. 
to the which also ye are called in one body and be thankful. That peace of God is to pervade, to saturate, to absolutely overtake the one body. If one of us lives in turmoil because we're unwilling to obey this direct command, it will mean that we're not all that we can be as a church. If on the other hand we'll let the peace of God rule within us, we come together with that peace. And what a blessed existence till Christ comes back. What a blessed oneness of the body till Christ come back, comes back because of that peace. And then when we have met together to start the week, out we go with that peace and show it off to a poor lost world that doesn't know why they're here, where they came from, or where they're going. They're in such chaos. And back to the point, you are the evangelist with that peace in your heart. Let's go to, to God in prayer. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to know that this gospel, this gospel, meaning good news, it is the way of eternal life. It's Jesus died on the cross for us. He's the Son of God. He's God himself sent to earth to die on the cross. It's a fact. It's a historic fact, but it's a truth of the word. It is salvation through him, what he did on the cross, that brings us to salvation. We can go to heaven if we believe that Jesus died, shed his blood for our sin, was buried, and rose again for our eternal life. We must accept him and him alone, nothing else. Man has concocted lots of religions. The word of God tells us the only way of eternal life. The Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other, none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. So I'm saying to you, if you've never trusted Christ as Savior, First Baptist Church wants you to know him. If you would like to ask us about this afterwards, we'll give you that invitation. If you're here without Christ, we want you to know that we're more than glad to give you the gospel plan more thoroughly, to at least give you a gospel tract so you can take it and read it. Please let us know that you would like to know more about how to go to heaven. Father God, thank you so much for the peace that comes from you. By your word, help us to take that in, to absorb it, to understand that we are to let it rule in our hearts. Help us to become more and more peaceful and and at, at ease and calm in you as this world becomes more and more chaotic. Help us to so love that peace and to understand these are exciting and blessed times for believers, not sad and disturbing. Help us to look toward you and be so peaceful and then let us help us to allow that to pervade in our homes, to be that bond of oneness in our church, along with that love and along with forgiveness, forbearance, meekness and kindness and gentleness. But help us also to take that peace out into the lost world Make us a testimony of Christ because we let the peace of Christ dwell in us. We pray that you would bring glory to yourself as we sing a final song. Help it to ring in our hearts and help all the the worship today, the worship by music, the worship by word, to go with us and strengthen us to thy cause as we go out. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.